Now back to Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app, or if you listen after the fact on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. Ryan LaVoy, Cam Berry, and Tom Peavy with you here on this Wednesday edition of the program, and we now go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line where we welcome on Joe Bartle of Roto-Wire as it's the last regular season week of the year. Most fantasy leagues have concluded. It's kind of a bittersweet moment of the season, Joe. But again, we certainly appreciate you with being on with us again today. How are things in your world? I was going to say bittersweet for a lot of people, but for somebody that's been grinding uh, the fantasy sphere since early July, uh, I'm happy that we have the light at the end of the tunnel wide open there for me to see. So, no, it's been great, and uh, I'm hoping the playoff games are, are going to be fantastic too. And, you know, you look at the AFC side, there's going to be, I think, legitimately seven teams that you'd be excited to see make it to the Super Bowl. Maybe maybe six if you take out the AFC South winner. Um, but, I mean, it's, it, it should be a lot of fun, uh, and hopefully Week 18 provides plenty of drama so long as the Packers win. Uh, yeah, uh, I know your Packers uh, big game coming up this weekend for sure. Uh, Joe, I've got to ask you for the fantasy perspective or fantasy world, how many championships did you hoist this year? Two. Okay. Uh, and, you know, I think two of the three finals that I made. I guess uh, one of the leagues was going to be defunct, so it was kind of a uh, swan song of sorts. And that one uh, I had already kind of anticipated I was going to win. So I, it, three of four, but d- two of three legitimate ones, I'd say. All right. Well, hey, that's uh, that's more than me. Uh, that's for <laughs> sure. Uh, so, Joe, I know we, this one will be more of a uh, a playoff preview, a Week 18 preview, than a fantasy perspective. But uh, I did ask want to ask you one or two things just from the season as a whole in fantasy. Is there any big takeaways uh, from this fantasy season? Anything uh, that that maybe was a, a, an odd year from a, a fantasy perspective, or something that you might uh, might have changed your view on for future years. Just any any big takeaways from this year? Yeah, the the biggest thing for me entering the season when I was, was I was committed to drafting a high end quarterback in every one of my leagues, whether it be Patrick Mahomes or Jalen Hurts, or Josh Allen, uh, and then extended all the way down to Trevor Lawrence. Deshaun Watson was kind of the fringe level of that, but even you know Lamar Jackson. I, I wanted to be committed to that because I thought the, the quarterback difference of those seven guys, realistically, uh, at the beginning of August, was substantially more than the Daniel Jones, Kirk Cousins, Aaron Rodgers of the world, Anthony Richardson, who were uh, you know quarterbacks 8 through 15. With all the injuries that occurred, I, I think I want to continue that thought process next year, but it's going to be put into a bit more of a mirror. You know, it, I, I think there's going to be instances, if you could say Kirk Cousins healthy, that he could be a top 10 guy. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott as well, too. And they've made more of a case than ever before with all the injuries that that could take place. And we saw a guy like C.J. Stroud and even Joe Flacco for the fantasy playoffs have massive and, and monumental fantasy impacts, too. So needing to get one of those top seven guys and committing significant draft capital to the Mahomes of the world, that might not be the call that I want to make next year, even though I don't feel like the process was wrong. And that was probably one of the bigger takeaways. And then the other is, even though I thought this was a lackluster receiver class, guys like Jordan Asson, Zay Flowers, Rasheed Rice from a rookie perspective, even Jaden Reed towards the end of the season, uh, have just confirmed that it's going to be a wide receiver heavy first four, five, six rounds of drafts again next year. And more so 
uh, Arthur Smith ruining Bijan Robinson and a few of these other places, there just aren't a lot of obvious number one stud running backs that are getting utilized that way. And this upcoming draft class is not going to change that too. So it'll be even more wide receiver heavy, if not similarly wide receiver heavy this year's, sorry, next year's first round. Uh, and I, and I think it's going to be totally fine because that'll be the safer choice once again. And Joe, looking at uh, the quarterback situation for some leagues that still have uh, one last week to play, I'm in. I'm in one league. Uh, we'll be rectifying that next year to where it'll end in week 17. But uh, and I'm the commissioner, so it was on me. It was an accident. You know, I just I just didn't think about it. So I will be changing that next year. But. Uh, have one more week to play, and obviously the quarterbacks will be uh, a lot of quarterbacks are sitting out uh, that have clinched and things like that. So um, I, I lost my guy Lamar Jackson. So who would be like a quarterback that I could replace Lamar with uh, that will actually be playing and, and competing for something? Yeah, this is tough because I would have said Matthew Stafford. Well, Stafford's also uh, benched for this week, and I'd imagine Brock Purdy, if he plays a half, would be stunned there. So the answer to this question, we did this on a Tuesday podcast, is actually Tyrod Taylor, who will be playing against that Eagles defense, which gave Kyler Murray 25 fantasy points. I think it's been four or five weeks in a row that the quarterback that plays the Eagles have been top 10 in fantasy scoring. I would anticipate Tyrod Taylor is a pretty easy fill in that instance. He's widely available. There really is no league or instance where he's not. But if you were running into the point where somebody maybe stashed multiple quarterbacks knowing you uh, or whoever else is Lamar Jackson is at a weak weak point. Maybe Derek Carr as well in a must-win game for their playoff aspirations. He he kind of makes some sense or Gardner Minshew, but I think it's Tyrod Taylor uh, is kind of the catch-all answer to that question. Okay, well, just that follow-up question: What about your guy uh, uh, Jordan Love? Any any any? Oh yeah, yeah. I, I feel I feel well. Ugh. So I, I really feel confident Tyrod Taylor is okay. going to be able to take advantage of <laughs> a bad defense, but I don't think that. Jordan Love is incapable of doing that against the Bears. I understand that they've been hot, especially defensively, Chicago has been, and I expect that the game to be very, very competitive, too. Um, but it sounds like Christian Watson is going to be healthy. I would be shocked if one of, or not both, of Jaden Reed and Dontavian Wicks also uh, will be inactive. Like I think they're going to have all three of those guys, plus Dobbs. You saw uh, Bo Melton also get more involved in that thrashing of the Vikings. I, there's a lot of pieces to go around for that offense and Christian Watson being available for the Packers will make a difference. So Jordan Love is a totally fine option. If I'm ranking Tyrod Taylor and, and Jordan Love, it might be Taylor nine and Jordan Love 10. So like I, I, I would lean Taylor, but ever so slightly. Also now looking at, uh, as, as we're getting here towards the end, uh, Looking at some of these guys that were your dark horse guys, that guys that were not high drafts or maybe not drafts that people just kind of picked up uh, out there in the ether that really turned heads that are going to be big-time pickups for next year whenever we play. Who, who are some of those guys? I mean, it's the two from the Rams, Puka Nakua and Kyron Williams. And unfortunately uh, for our good friend here who has a Week 18 game, you you don't get to play those guys. But they have been fantasy stars for a lot of people and we're – two of the top waiver wire pickups, and we, we gave out uh, waiver wire awards on the Tuesday podcast. They they certainly qualify for that. I'll be really interested to see what the uh, Rams do with their full complement of draft picks next year because you theoretically not want to give the 5'10 at best, 190-pound at best, Kyron Williams 25 touches for two consecutive years, even though he was fantastic this season and certainly – uh, was played far above his draft profile from two years ago. I think they're going to end up drafting somebody, and I wouldn't be surprised if they sign 
another running back, too. I mean, with the way Sean McVay operates that backfield, he has a guy that gets a hot hand. But there is a committee and designated approach, provided he has those guys on the roster. It's just that Kyron Williams this year kind of fit all bills. I I think they're going to add more to that. I'm not thinking Kyron Williams at this point is a first-round pick in drafts next year. But Puka Nakua, so long as Matthew Stafford's healthy and available, certainly is going to be, I think, a top 24, at most top 30 pick in PPR. And Cooper Cup still has his uh, late first round, early second round standalone value. So it'd be, it's really interesting to see what the Rams do this offseason to bolster really that offensive line and make sure Matthew Stafford stays upright all season long. And now switching that, some guys that were uh, big-time draft guys that maybe going into next year you want to maybe not necessarily avoid, but maybe you don't want to sacrifice big-time picks on it or or maybe even avoid. Guys that have just been really disappointing this season that you think may not be able to get it back next year. Yeah, we're going to see what happens with Devontae Adams. I mean, if we're putting betting uh, money right now, I'm assuming he's not going to be in Las Vegas next offseason, you know, or I guess this offseason next year. I think he'll be with the Jets, and if that's the case, then Devontae Adams, Garrett Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, that's going to be a fantasy-worthy combo where you could probably see both those receivers, again, be uh, late first, early seconds, just like Garrett Wilson and Devontae Adams were on separate teams this year. But if he is in Las Vegas and they have Aiden O'Connell or whatever other veteran cast-off quarterback, we're getting to the point where no matter how great Devontae Adams is, he's really having to exceed above the talent level that they have at quarterback. So that makes me concerned to be able to draft him among other receivers uh, of that ilk. And I think running backs kind of like Javante Williams, but I hope now two years off of a pretty serious knee injury, um, like the Cam Makers of the world, who I don't even know he'll get a job next year. There was the third to fifth round running back tier, and I was all in on J.K. Dobbins, which another critical season-ending injury adds to that list. I'm, I'm really wary about that group, especially when you seem to always be able to find a James Conner or a Brian Robinson or somebody like that in the sixth or seventh round. I don't know who that will be next year. Maybe Zach Charbonnet in the event that Kenneth Walker is healthy entering the season. But there's, there's one of those running backs that can be your running back, too, uh, and it always seems to, to evolve and sort of solidify itself closer to the August drafts when you can kind of make a, a more educated guess as to how that will work out. Talking to Joe Bartle of Roto-Iron today on Sports Call Joe. Let's look at a few of these matchups that have serious playoff implications. The two games on Saturday obviously mean a lot in the AFC to three of the four teams, not to Baltimore. Uh, but you got the Steelers going against the Ravens, and you got the Texans and the Colts. Uh, how? What do you think about these two matchups? Yeah, I guess so. I, you can never rule out the divisional aspect of things, and I know that the Ravens are sitting everybody. I understand that, uh, even though Tyler Huntley is a is a Pro Bowl quarterback, right from last year. The joke that is, uh, I, I don't really feel like he's nearly the kind of guy that's going to lead a lot of offensive production. And Mason Rudolph and the Steelers look good in recent weeks. I think the Steelers win, but I'm just a little nervous. This is in Baltimore. Somehow the Steelers are favored. Vegas seems to think that there there's some momentum towards that, and. It we one of those where it's, oh, yeah, we're going to keep our division rivals out of the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. Let's play hard. And these guys, and this is going to be a theme for any one of these questions, even if a team is theoretically not having something to play for, the backup players, whoever else is filling in, they are playing for their contracts and their livelihoods uh, and getting good film out there, not just for their respective team, but for frequency or whatever else. So I, it's not just a, oh, clearly this is the second or third string teams are going to get walloped. I, I don't think it works quite like that. Uh, in Week 18. So I, I think the Steelers win, but I feel not as confident about that. 
And I would lean towards the Colts against the Texans. I just think the Colts are a better team as much as I'd love to see C.J. Stroud in the playoffs. I think Jonathan Taylor back also adds the element to the offense that they haven't really had all season long, despite how great Zach Moss has been. So I would I would lean towards the Colts winning, uh, and that they are at home for this one also makes me feel a bit more confident, too. And then looking at the NFC matchups, Joe, obviously in the poo-poo fest that is the NFC South, uh, the Bucks can clinch uh, against Carolina, although I'll just tell you right now, I'm uh, viciously nervous. I don't even care how bad Carolina is. I'm viciously nervous. Uh, if they lose, it's the Falcons-Saints winner in New Orleans. And then, of course, your game with Green Bay uh, will either kind of uh, shut down some scenarios for some other wild card possibilities or open them up, depending if Green Bay wins or loses. So uh, take us through some of those matchups in the NFC. Yeah, I understand why you're nervous. I don't think you should be, though. Other than when you're play, uh, facing Joe Barry in the Packers' defense, Bryce Young has looked awful all season long. I just don't think that changes here in Week 18. So I think the Buccaneers win. Uh, that sucks for me as somebody who has a few futures in the Saints getting a playoff berth. I would love to see a scenario where that occurs, but I think the only way that is is if my heart is completely shattered and the Packers, for a second consecutive year, lose and they win and you're in at Lambeau scenario. And if that were to occur... We're not just talking defense coordinator Joe Barry getting fired. I think you have to seriously consider if Matt LaFleur is the coach for the job. And I know he's been great with Jordan Love this year. Uh, has exceeded a lot of the expectations that I really had entering the season. But I was I was at that game last season against the Lions. You can't lose two win-and-you're-in scenarios at home against divisional opponents who have theoretically nothing to play for. That, that can't happen. And no matter if you've beaten the Bears nine times, ten times, 25 times, you know they're going to be entering motivated. So I'm I'm far more nervous about this game than I was last year uh, when the Packers ended up kind of punting that one away. We'll see what happens this week with a more rejuvenated team. I think, you know, Jair Alexander being back, still not healthy, adds something to that defense. And for whatever the reason, Joe Barry has been really good against divisional teams. I think other than the Lions game where the Packers turned the ball over three times in the first half, over the past four years or three years, I think, so seven or eight matchups now, they've held divisional opponents to under 24 points in every matchup. So that, I mean, there there is something to that, and they have certainly locked down on Justin Fields. This is a different team, so a different Bears team. I'm, I'm anxious. I'll be going to that one. Uh, I promise you I will be very, very anxious in the stands, very cold as well. Uh, and because of that, I don't think the Seahawks-Cardinals game will matter much, although I wouldn't be surprised if the Cardinals beat the Seahawks. And I do think the Saints are going to take care of business because the Falcons I guess there's reports that Arthur Smith might return. As a guy that loves fantasy football, I, I need a world in which Arthur Smith is not wrecking simultaneously Kyle Pitts, Drake London, and B. John Robinson. So please, somebody who makes decisions at the smart, don't let Arthur Smith be a head coach. Don't let him be anywhere near an offense next year. Yeah. We need good things in our life. Please. As a Falcons fan, I 1,000% agree with you. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that one, Joe. Well, yeah. Just don't let him anywhere near the team. I, I agree. He should be gone. Yeah, we're, we're all he NFC. Can, he can like uh, check in tickets or something at, yes. at the front office. Yep. Like, that's great. Don't don't <laughs> him, let him touch any offensive players because they have a really good thing if they even get any. Like if Russell Wilson goes to the Falcons, I think they're a playoff team next year. Provided Arthur Smith and his doofy mustache is not Boom. Uh, making, <laughs> making calls there. Yeah, agreed. As, as you can tell, again, we have a lot of NFC South fans here, so we're fans of middling franchises that just go through different <laughs> stages of middling. Uh, but Joe, as always, we appreciated the time. Uh, Want to have you on at least one more time throughout the playoffs, certainly to preview some of that. Uh, and of course, uh, our listeners, though, you do great work in, in multitudes of fantasy ways, basketball and baseball when it rolls around. You do the over-under betting sheet again. Uh, tell our listeners how they can uh, support your work. 
Yeah, I think we're six weeks away from pitchers and catchers reporting to to baseball, which is crazy to think about that. We're already there. I know, I know you guys are all excited for that stuff, too. Here in Milwaukee, uh, Madison, a little bit different uh, that we have to watch the Dodgers spend $3 trillion on really good players, and we get like a, a middle relief pitcher from the 15th <laughs> round. But, yeah, it's cool. Love baseball. It's awesome. But, yeah, I mean, if you are getting ready for fantasy baseball, Rotowares got you covered there certainly during fantasy basketball season two where we're far away, but not that far away where it's not worth mentioning that we also have incredible coverage from March Madness's perspective, whether it be the gambling angles or any of the DFS, the single game slate. So that's a lot of stuff that RotoWare does a really good job. Again, a couple months away, we just got past the holidays, so it's not time to look at March Madness, but the holiday in itself, too. So just a reminder that RotoWare has got you covered really in, in any sort of sports sense and uh, fantasy sense, too. We love it. Joe Bartle of Rotowire joining us today on Sports Call. Joe, as always, we certainly appreciate the time. We wish you well uh, with your Packers this weekend, and we look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Thanks for having me on, guys.